This is where your ice cream comes from. The creamy poop of a mystic unicorn. Totally clean, totally cool, and soft serve straight from a sphincter. Mmm, they're good at pooping. everybody to another episode of your creativity this time we're trying out skype we've done google hangouts in the past and it's been off and on but enough about my troubles we are on online with dave vance a comedy writer and you might have seen his work on the internet how are you dave i'm doing well dylan how are you doing good so um on the internet you you're kind of infamous you're part of some big campaigns, aren't you? Uh, I, I don't know about infamous. So I've, I've gotten to work on um, some internet ad projects like Squatty Potty, Fiberfix, Chatbooks, uh, as well as um, for an, a sketch show called Studio C as a writer. Well, the stuff, those uh, videos have been seen by millions of people. Um, how did, well, let's back up a little bit. Um, describe exactly what you do. You're, you're a comedy writer, but what, what does that entail? You know, what, what's your background? Um, yeah, so my, my background, uh, honestly, from an educational level is I studied biology and public health. I was pre-med for a while, um, realized I didn't want to do that, um, did a year of business consulting and realized I didn't want to do that. Uh, meanwhile, I had been um, kind of writing comedy on the side and that just kind of snowballed accidentally into opportunities writing comedy uh, more full time, both uh, just for standalone content like Studio C and then for uh, advertising content. So, yeah, I kind of, um, I guess, obliquely, you know, stumbled my way into to where I am now. You found your way. Yeah. OK. So um, that comedy on the writing on the side, what what did that kind of pertain of in those early days? So um, I got an opportunity to write part-time for this uh, sketch comedy show, Studio C. So that was while I was still in school. Um, And, you know, meanwhile, I had my eye on being a doctor and then later on just entering business generally. Um, But uh, the really nice thing about that show was that it allowed me to kind of hone that craft that I didn't even know I was honing uh, for a, a career in comedy. So the show started... Let's see, the first season came out in 2012, and I started writing for the second season. So how long are their seasons? Um, Back in the day, so so back when they first started, it was two seasons a year and 10 episodes a season. Now it's one season a year for 20 episodes, so, uh, you know, basically 20 episodes each year. Okay. I was just kind of curious because the math one season a year didn't quite <laughs> quite add up. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that kind of helped you hone, you know, different kind of styles because there there's different kind of, you know, different types of skits on the show. Yeah, different kind of styles. And, and honestly, it just helped me to kind of find my comedic voice um, generally. You know, like I'm I'm a big believer in kind of, you know, getting your 10,000 hours in and, and kind of climbing that steep learning curve. And what was nice about that show is that it just started, I mean, not only did I, did I get to work with, uh, 
you know, people I really like, but also it, it just gave me, uh, experience to start getting hours under the belt and just honing my comedic voice in general. All right. And then from there, how did you get uh, connected with all, all these, um, campaigns with, uh, Harmon brothers? Yeah. So, uh, let's see, I believe it was in 2014. Um, in 2014, the Harmons had seen a couple studio C sketches, uh, that I had written. Um, they reached out to, to connect with me cause they, they liked the voice of those scripts and they said, you know, they, they wanted to collaborate. So we, uh, we tried collaborating on a couple ads that didn't get off the ground. Um, well, writing for businesses, but the biz, you know, for startups and then the startups would pivot so that by the time the ad script was completed, it was no longer relevant. So, uh, a year went by and then they reached out again once, um, they had a contract to write an ad for Squatty Potty. And that was our first major collaboration. They asked me to write a script for them and that script went well. And then we've been collaborating ever since. So did they come in with the pooping unicorn idea or did that evolve in your guys' process? Yeah, they so they had pitched Squatty Potty on the pooping unicorn idea, and then I kind of came in with the prince character, with the jokes, and uh, I would say most of that script. And then um, Daniel and Jeffrey Harmon uh, helped me hammer out the the parts that my script didn't already have. It, it's just a, such a unique campaign. I just it, it's <laughs> it's crazy, crazy successful. But so. oh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I hope it's not my legacy. <laughs> I, I, I hope hope something maybe less uh, less scatological tops it at some point in my life. Oh, that's pivoting to my next question. Was potpourri, did that spring from that, or were they kind of uh, parallel to each other? Or? Poopery. Yeah. So Poopery uh, had been a Harmon Brothers client, um, a couple years before, and I actually, I was not on the poopery campaign, but that was, um, so the Harmon brothers, they, they started out, um, just running a company called aura brush and they had a number of very successful online videos for that. Their next video project was the first poopery ad, which, uh, also went fairly viral. And then, um, squatty potty was their next big break after poopery. And that was when I came on board. And um, after Squatty Potty, you've been on a couple more campaigns. Well, you, you work for them full time, so you're probably working on all sorts of stuff. But the next uh, big ones were uh, like Purple and uh, Chat Books. That's, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So Purple was. I mean, we wrote it the same year as Squatty Potty, and uh, yeah, that was for the Purple Mattress Company. Um, they at the time weren't even selling products. So, so that video actually launched or helped launch the, the purple mattress product itself. And, you know, they've, they've done very well since then. It's, it's a really good mattress. And then, um, so, so I, I was lead writer on that script and then I was, um, a co-lead writer on, um, the, the chat books ad script, which came out, uh, last year at some point, I forget exactly when. Yeah, I think it seems like this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah, that seems about right. I I lose track of when they came out. Now another um, a client that you've worked with is uh, Vid Angel. Mm -hmm. is, is that part of the Harmon's brother thing, or is that a, a separate situation? I'm not. 
I'm not sure how those. So uh, the Harmon Brothers actually founded both companies. Um, okay. So they founded Harmon Brothers, uh, the agency, and um, VidAngel, the streaming company. Um, and they just have they just have a uh, business relationship between the two. So Neil and Jeffrey Harmon recuse themselves from any decision making between the two companies since they you know did found both. And uh, yeah, but so so VidAngel is a client of Harmon Brothers, and it was also founded by Neil and Jeffrey Harmon. Okay, so, so they're kind of like sister companies, in a way. Uh, whatever the term is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, what what type of situations are most creative for you when you're um, writing these campaigns in for yourself and for these pilots? Is it in a room by yourself? Um, bouncing ideas off of others you know it, it kind of depends um so i'm i'm a big uh i guess believer in a lot of the research that's been done by mihalai Csikszentmihalyi, who's kind of you know the premier creativity researcher the premier flow researcher and one thing that he talks about is that um sometimes the optimal i guess environments for creative people are striking a balance between you know interacting with others, going out and being stimulated, and then also finding time to kind of bunker down and, and just work on something. So for me, the optimal mix is, I mean, honestly, it is a mix. So I, I find that some of my best ideas come from, you know, interesting trips I go on or interesting experiences I have with other people or just adventures in general. But but then that inspiration doesn't do me much good unless I'm able to kind of religiously box off creative time, you know, to, to kind of hunker down and, and just get something done. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would have to say I, I, I really need both of those. Okay. That, that makes sense. Now you've also done a Ted talk, um, down at BYU. Um, I've always wondered what TEDx, TEDx. <laughs> it's the, it's the, uh, the minor leagues version of Ted, the, the redheaded stepchild. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How were you approached um, on that, and how did you prepare for that? If I was approached for one, I would have no idea where to start. Uh, so the TEDx story is honestly <laughs> probably kind of a story of, of hubris. So, I mean, I've, I've always really enjoyed TED Talks and, and TEDx Talks. Um, and actually, while I was still studying, I had um, approached kind of the, the manager of TEDx BYU and said, oh, hey, I'd love to give a TEDx talk if you're ever looking for a student speaker. Um, and they passed me over, actually, uh, that year and then the year after. I found out you're actually not supposed to try to solicit those kinds of talks. Um, looking back, I don't think that I really would have had much to say. I think it was uh, honestly just hubris speaking. Anyway, the year after, the first year that I decided to kind of, <laughs> to kind of let it be, that was actually when, um, a different organizer reached out and asked me to talk. So, uh, and, and then that year I felt like I had at least worked enough to have, I don't know, maybe something interesting to say if, if not all that new. So yeah, so it was a fun experience. And then, um, I've just been uh, a, a big believer for a while in the power of comedy to spread messages. And so um, the, the topic seemed pretty straightforward given the projects I've been working on lately. All right. Yeah. And it, it's a great talk. I'll put it in the notes of this episode um, so oh, everybody can check it out. It's, it's one of my favorite ones. Oh, um, thank you. Now, in there, you talk about um, John Oliver. Um, is he somebody you admire mm -hmm. or is there many people that you admire and why? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, um, I'm a big fan of John Oliver, Samantha B, Stephen Colbert. Um, I think they've been very effective at uh, using comedy to uh, just spread political messages, and, and not only political messages, but especially in the case of John Oliver, I think very complex or or potentially off-putting political messages. I, I think he's a good example of using comedy to make those messages, you know, quite palatable and, and not only palatable, but understandable, uh, digestible. So yeah, uh, I, I definitely admire his work. Yeah. There's not many places where you can go where somebody will talk about a, a subject for t- 20 minutes, make you laugh and make you understand at the same time. So it, he's a, he, he's awesome. Yeah. I think he's yeah, incredible. I definitely agree. Now, uh, do do you have any dream projects? So I'm, I'm actually working on a project, um, right now, uh, it, it's, it's modeled, um, to some extent after kind of your John Oliver, Samantha B, uh, comedic political show. The basic idea is, um, to look at political issues from, from three different vantage points. So conservative, liberal, libertarian, and just kind of identify, you know, comedically. So pulling people in with comedy, but just kind of identify where there are shared wins, um, you know, where there are areas where everyone can actually get a little bit more of what they want. Uh, my my perception nowadays is that we're so locked into kind of these black and white tribalist ways of seeing the world that even when there are opportunities for both Democrats and Republicans to get what they want, we're kind of blind to them because we're so locked into these us versus them mentalities. So the goal of the show is to kind of highlight those opportunities for shared wins or to highlight areas where, you know, kind of all, both parties are getting it wrong or are ignoring major social issues and to do it comedically and, and in a very actionable way. So, I mean, have, having worked in, you know, ads for the past couple of years, I'm very drawn to messages that have a call to action at the end. Um, right. So they don't, they don't just stir up, you know, animosity towards problems or, or angst around problems. They actually give you something you can do about it at the end. So yeah, that's kind of the, the show I'm working on currently. That's that's great bringing people together, especially the way things are now. It's it, it's just it's ugly. It's hard to watch the news and yeah, yeah, it's definitely messy. All right, um, is there? I I've covered all the questions that I've prepared. Um, is there anything that you you know want to share with the listeners or anything you've um, you've got coming up? Um, uh, what kinds of things we talk in projects, we talking like conceptual learnings or creative learnings, Um, just in general, whatever you, you know, would like to share that we haven't covered. I mean, that kind of covers, uh, we've kind of covered the, the projects I'm either working on currently or, or hopefully have coming down the pipe. I, I think one thing that's become pretty apparent to me this past year is, um, just how much more effective I am from a creative and generative standpoint. Uh, when I'm working with a talented team, um, I find that I often have the tendency to want to kind of, you know, take a project off by myself and kind of put my head down and, and, and work on it alone. Um, but it's really been driven home to me, uh, you know, just how valuable a team is, not only in enjoying your work, but just in kind of magnifying your impact. Um, so I, I've been dwelling a lot on, uh, you know, Creativity Inc. is kind of uh, a good, 
I guess just just a good guidebook for creative work and and how to assemble a team uh, where ideas can come from anywhere and where you know fostering a strong collaborative environment. Um, so so I guess my uh, my parting advice would be. Um, if you have been doing a lot of work by yourself, is there any way you can get, you know, a talented team involved both for the sake of your personal enjoyment of the work and also for the sake of, you know, just final outcomes. Right. And they, they can look over it and say, you know, I don't think this will hit, you know, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. An understanding of the broader appeal. Your team has, you know, so much perspective that you don't have and they, they have much more distance on the stuff you've been working on. All right. Well, I'd, I'd throw in a bonus question from time to time with our guests, and um, it is, who is your favorite Muppet and why? <laughs> favorite Muppet? Okay, let me, let me think about that. I don't want to just, <laughs> don't want to throw out one of the obvious ones. Let's go with Beaker. I feel like he's, uh, I feel like he's pretty long-suffering with Bunsen. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I mean, he's found he's found his way in a world where only like one person can understand him. If I'm if I'm remembering his character correctly, yeah, I agree. And why do you th- think that he's? What's that? That, that, that makes sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, how, how if people want to check out um, your stuff, I'll share the TED Talk. But what on social work can people find you? Oh, um, so I don't have a social media page, but I, I do have just kind of a portfolio page, DaveVance.co, C-O. Okay. Um, so that's where I very periodically post, you know, whatever my, my newest project is. Okay. And I say my newest project, whatever the newest project of the teams I'm working with are. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>